We're going to be in Exodus 23, verses 20 through 33. I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and bring you to the place I have prepared. Be attentive to him and listen to him. Do not defy him, because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion, for my name is in him. But if you will clear, carefully obey him and do everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. For my angel will go before you and bring you to the land of the Amorites, the Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow in worship to their gods and do not serve them. Do not imitate their practices. Instead, demolish them and smash their sacred pillars to pieces. Serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water. I will remove illnesses from you. No woman will miscarry or be childless in your land. I will give you the full number of your days. I will cause the people ahead of you to feel terror and will throw into confusion all the nations you come to. I will make all your enemies turn their backs to you and retreat. I will send hornets in front of you, and they will drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, Hittites away from you. I will not drive them out ahead of you in a single year. Otherwise, the land would, be, the land would become desolate and wild animals would multiply against you. I will drive them out little by little ahead of you until you have become numerous and take possession of the land. I will set your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the wilderness to the Euphrates River. For I will place inhabitants of the land under your control, and you will drive them out ahead of you. You must not make a covenant with them or their gods. They must not remain in your land, or else they will make you sin against me. If you serve their gods, it will be a snare for you. Maybe seated this morning. As you're seated, we are going to be doing a little bit of praying this morning. So right now, this is an opportunity for you to pray. I'll help you through this as we do every Sunday. It's very important that we be praying, though. So God, we thank you today for the privilege to come together, study your word. God, we pray this morning that this whole time that it'll come under your kingdom authority rule, that you will reign and rule over every aspect of everything that's going to be happening here this morning, God. So pray something like this. God, open my spiritual eyes and ears. Help me to hear and see what you want me to hear and see. Convict me where I need conviction. Encourage me where I need encouragement. So God, we just pray right now that the truth of your word would just come to the surface in all of our hearts. God, the, what you had intended for the original readers, what they understood, and then how it applies to us today as we read your word. God, we're thankful for worship, for Josh and the worship team leading us in worship this morning. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for communion, for baptism, all these things that we get to experience, fellowship, community groups, everything, God. We're so grateful. You're so good. And so, God, we, we realize that every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights, and God, we're thankful that there's no shadow of turning in you. You never change. You are the Almighty. You're Yahweh. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here's my question for you this morning as we start off. In your faith, are you more like Plato or more like salt and light? Because we've got a whole lot of, you got to think about this. We, God created us to be relational. As a result of being relational, then, then so many times we're pliable. We kind of, the people around us, we tend to be something that's conforming, kind of like Plato. We conform to 
the situations, circumstances around us. That's the way God has created you. Now, it's a problem in your Christian faith because in Christianity, you need to be more like salt and light in the world around you. I mean, you know, I, I think about the verses right here, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this age. An age right here, you might be used to older translation that says to this world. The Greek word right here is aeon. Aeon means, I mean, like, aeon isn't necessarily in its original, if you looked it up in a, you know, in a Bible, um, Greek word study, it would say time. But that's not really good for this. When you put it in its syntax, its context, aeon right here is more about, they would, they would understand the earthly kingdoms. Do not be conformed. Don't be like Plato to the earthly kingdoms you're in, where you just conform to it. I mean, like, I would say, modern day, that would say, do not be conformed to this culture. Do you see any problems in our culture that you do not want to be conformed to? There's a lot, isn't there? And so like what, what the same here is don't be conformed to this age because if you don't do anything, you will naturally conform. Man, I could, I could talk for a while about how, how all of us don't even realize it, how we've been conformed to our culture about what we think is beautiful, what we think is valuable, what we think is important. We've been, we've been culturally informed. We don't even realize it. So he's saying, don't be conformed to this culture, but be transformed. So total change right here. Total change before, between like something transforming by the renewing of your mind. So how do I get my mind renewed? I mean, reading the Bible, what we're doing right now, studying the Word of God. This is how we have our minds renewed. So that you may, you want to know what God's will is? Do you want to discern? Do you want to have discernment? And he says this morning, he said, man, I want to have, I want to have discernment, like godly discernment. Well, if you're not studying the word of God, you will not have godly discernment. It's just that simple, okay? So discern what is his good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So do you wanna know what God's will for your life is? Well, here's what I can tell you. You will not know what God's will for your life is just by coming and sitting in church or just thinking about God or praying or making up a God of your own. I mean, it's gotta be the God of the scriptures. We gotta look at, okay, what does the Bible say? So this morning, Here's my question for you. What do you want me to do this morning? Do you want me to be faithful to what the Bible says and just show you what the Bible says and then you deal with it? Or do you want me to load you down with denominational biases, cultural biases? This is what we've always heard in church. You want me just to go that or do you want to see what the Bible says? See, this is my conviction. My conviction is this. I will be responsible to God for what I say in front of you. So when I see that the text says something, the Bible says something, my responsibility isn't to, you know, go along with cultural norms or American Christianity or to a denominational bias. My responsibility is to say, this is what the Bible says, regardless of what man taught us. And I just got to let, I got to deal with that. Holy Spirit, help me deal with that because this isn't what I've always heard in church. But this is what your word says. Now here's what Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, here's what it says. Here's what it says for you that you are to be salt of the earth. That's transformative right there. But if salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And then it says, you are the light of the world. The scripture kept salt and light transform. I remember one time I had a piece of chocolate pie. It was a big, beautiful chocolate pie at a Thanksgiving get-together we had. And they came to us and said, David, to the chocolate pie. One piece taken out of it. Chocolate pie ain't any good. What's wrong with the pie? It looks beautiful. They said they forgot to put salt in it. 
little bit, a little bit, a bit of salt. I was like, oh, give me something. That can't be that bad. You could not eat it. That little bit of salt made it where it was, I mean, it was, it was awful. I was shocked at what a difference salt makes. Salt's a preservative, and it transforms. So you're to be something that transforms the, the culture that you're in, and you're to be something that preserves the kingdom of God. And you're also something that's to be shining light. Light transforms. It changes. It changes things. This right here, this little light right there of mine that I'm letting shine, <laughs> this right here is actually a rechargeable light. And I think that this is kind of the what is very indicative of our spiritual life. You don't replace the batteries in your spiritual life. You do recharge it. I leave this light on and burn and burn and burn and burn. It's going to run down. Got to plug it back in and recharge it. You spiritually need to be recharged also. There's no way you're going to go out and be, be a transformative light in the world around you if you're not getting recharged spiritually. I mean, I hope this morning that coming to church, this will recharge you. I hope that throughout the week that you're seeking things that are recharging you spiritually because we need your light shining. We don't just need your light shining here in church. We need your light shining everywhere. That's what we're here to talk about this morning. I'm excited about what I want to share with you this morning. I'm trying to stay calm. <laughs> Genesis chapter 1. Let's just start there. We're talking about between Eden and Babylon because that's where you are right now. You're either, you're, you're, you're leaning one way or the other this morning is what I'll show you. More towards Eden or more towards Babylon. Two total different kingdoms, two total different processes of thought. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 and understand what it means for you to live in the kingdom of God. You want to learn that this morning? You want to dig a little deeper into kingdom living this morning? Sure. Praise the Lord. Then God said, let us make man in our, and this is huge right here. Let's, let us make man in our image, okay? So here's what you have to understand. You have been created in the image of God. Now see, I used to always think that being created in the image of God was because we had the ability to communicate, we had the ability to reason. That's what I've always been taught. But there's something more to you being taught that you being in the image of God than you being able to reason, you being able to communicate. Because there are animals who, are, who have the ability to reason. There are animals that have the ability to communicate with one another. You are different from the animal kingdom, by the way. Okay? So there's something different about your image than that. And our image, according to our likeness, so we got to understand this morning, what does it mean to be in the image of God, in the likeness of God? Here's a look at this. They will rule. Okay, so whenever I see words like this right here, that's kingdom language. So you say, man, David, you know, like, you talk about that kingdom stuff, the New Testament and all that stuff. Let me tell you something. It's all through the Bible. It's from Genesis to Revelation. If you understand the kingdom, you understand what it means to have a relationship with God, relate with yourself, right? relate to everybody else around you. I'm convinced of that because the more I study the Bible, the more I see the kingdom of God is all through this thing. Yes. So right here he says that, that they will rule the fish and the, listen, you go catch fish, you eat fish, and the sea, fresh water, the birds of the sky, you shoot the birds out, you kill them, you eat them, the livestock, you eat the livestock, you go hunting and you kill them. That's all biblical. You have been given the right to rule over them. Man, I thought I'd get more amens than that. <laughs> Where are we at? I thought we were East Texas. Where y'all at, man? Man, come on. The livestock, the whole earth, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So there it is. There's rulership right there. So you've created the image of God, and God now, as you being in his image, he's expecting you to do some ruling. 
Why? Okay, so, so God created man in his own image, and he created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. God blessed them, and God said to them, here we go, so what are we going to do now? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Kingdom language once again. Fill the earth because all the earth right now is not the kingdom. So right here he's saying, this is creation. He said, what I want you to do, here they are in the Garden of Eden. Now I need you to go out and I need you to spread out this kingdom. Everything that you got right here is go out, subdue it, rule it, and spread it. Are you tracking me so far? Say amen if you are. Amen. Okay, good. Rule the fish that see there it is, give the birds, the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Number one, kingdom image bearing. It's not an ability we have, but a position and identity we've been given. Man, I, we talk about that all the time in New Testament theology. Here it is in the Old Testament also. You being an image bearer of God, God this, is, this isn't about your ability to do stuff. This is about your position and your identity. You are to be spreading the kingdom. When they were spreading Eden right here, this all ties in where we are in Exodus, by the way. God is expecting them to bring back this whole Edenic thought process, kingdom, back into the world today. In their world then, and then our world today. And here's what I can tell you. It will all come back to Eden. You read Revelation? At the very end, new heaven, new earth, and that new earth is just like what you read about in Eden. It's all coming back to Eden one way or another. So I'm going to ask you this morning, which one are you closer to this morning right now? Are you closer to Eden? Is this your lifestyle today, kingdom lifestyle, or the kingdom of Babylon? Let's go a little further into this. So God said, go out, spread. Spread the kingdom. Spread this whole Eden everywhere, all throughout the earth. Look at what it says right here. Genesis chapter 11, they changed their mind about this. They had, man had a better ideal than God. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us, do, do you see the language here? For this is ourselves. This is for us. And let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be dispersed all over the face of the earth. Didn't that what God commanded them to do? To spread out all over the earth? And now they're coming. This is rebellion. Do you see this? This is, a, this is man right here in rebellion against God saying, we don't want to spread out. We don't want to go do what God told us to do. We want to make his name great. For, is, man, aren't you glad today there's no one in our culture wants to make a name for themselves? That is just not in our world, is it? Look at this. Okay, so. I'm going to show you all a problem this morning. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, so right here at Babel, he spreads them out. He confounds their languages, and all the nations start dispersing. Now, th there's a reason for this. We're about to come back to this right now. God's about to tell them to go into the land, and when they get the land, there's going to be nations already there. So let's look and see something here, because there's a problem that I've heard. Listen, you, I know you heard this. Why in the Old Testament does God tell the people to go kill other people. That's just so inhumane. So I'm about to give you some things, something to think about this morning over the why behind them going in and killing people that are in the land. I know it sounds gruesome. I know it sounds horrible. But if you just hear me out to the end, it may help some of you in your processes of what God was doing and is doing today and what's happening in your world today also. So he gave to the nations their inheritance. Then 
When he divided mankind, he fixed borders. Now see, here's what you have to understand. In the Bible, this is huge. It's, 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 you know, for us, we think about ethnicity, and for them, it's about their borders. It's about where their land stopped and where the other person's land started. This, these people, this is their borders, and for them, this is, they're, they're to stay here and they're to stay. For them, it was very territorial, okay? So God's given them. He's dividing a mankind. He fixed the borders of the people according to the numbers of the sons. What? What is that? Sons of God. So here's our problem. Here's what I want to show you. I want you to stop and think about this. This is about to step outside the norm a little bit. So this right here is sons of Elohim. It's plural. Now, see, we are monotheistic. We believe there's one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So whenever you run into language like this in the Hebrew Bible, so in the original Hebrew, it says sons of Elohim, sons plural, many sons of Elohim. So now we, we look at this, we say, what on earth does that mean? Okay, so stop for just a moment here and think about something. We're talking about the division of mankind. They're splitting off. They're going a different way. They're taking their territories. When they take off to their territories, evidently, there is something in the spiritual realm that's going with them. Whenever Daniel's praying for Israel in Daniel chapter, who just lost that chapter. Anyway, it's in Daniel. The angel comes to him, and the angel says, I was sent 21 days ago, but the prince of the power of Persia resisted me. That was a territorial, some kind of spiritual thing there that was over the territory of, of Persia that stopped this angel from coming and giving the message to Daniel. So right here, what it's saying is, is that there's some kind of spiritual something that's going out with each one of these, and they're going out with their territories, and they're like God lording over them. Not like the God that we have. See, there's only one God. Can I, can I only, listen, there's only one Jesus. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is what we refer to as the one and only Son of God. He has, there's none other. Why, why do we say that? Because he is God. Listen. God did not birth Jesus. He was with God from the beginning. He is co-eternal with God. He is God. But there's something here that's different from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, you may look at that and go, well, David, that's angels. Okay, I wouldn't argue with you. I don't know what in there. I don't know what that is. All I know is it says sons of Elohim. And here's the other thing, is that there's multiple places in the Old Testament where it says sons of Elohim. And you, what you, now, some of y'all are going to go home and go, I want to go find the other places where it says sons. And if you can't read original Hebrew, you won't find it because they changed it. Our translators have changed it to sons of Israel, heavenly counsel, all that kind of stuff. So, but except for one place, they couldn't change it here. If you've ever read this and you thought, what does that mean? Here it is. Psalm 82.1, you ever read that? You might have just skimmed right over this, but let's stop and look at it for just a moment because this will mess us up if we don't understand this. God stands in the divine assembly. He pronounces judgment among the Elohims. There it is again, plural. What on earth is that talking about right there? So here's what I'm saying. I don't know. Okay? All I know is there's something more there than my theology professors have taught me. There's something there that I don't understand. 
And you mean like, so like what we do is like in, in our evangelical Christianity in America today, we fit angels in that. We say those are angels and we just cram angels in there. And, and it might be true. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying that it isn't angels. I'm just saying it doesn't say angels. It says Elohims. And so here's what I'm saying. There is a spiritual war going on around us. It's always been going on since, since, since the fall of man. It's still going on today. And it was going on back then in Exodus when God's sending them out. We're about to get to this. There's a, there's a warfare language in him going, sending out his people. So let's talk about that. What's the difference between Eden and Babylon? So Eden speaks of shalom, speaks of peace, speaks of prosperity, speaks of balance right here, okay? So like in the Garden of Eden, they had shalom. They had harmony with God's will. They had perfect communion with God. They had obedience to God's law. They had an unbroken fellowship and love. They could see God face to face. Eden is where heaven and earth were coming together. Wait, hang on, hang on. Are you listening? Say amen. We're about to build the tabernacle. Heaven and earth coming together. God's presence coming together. Then the temple gets built. Heaven and earth. God's presence right there in the temple. Then we've got Jesus coming. Heaven and earth coming together. Now we've got the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Heaven and earth are coming together inside you. That's worth coming to church for right there. So the Babylon... So this is going to be all these people that are going off in the wrong direction. It's all about chaos. Listen, anytime you see chaos in the world, that's not from God. This is resistance to God's will. This is rebellion against God. This is moral and spiritual decay. Just what we see in our world today, in our culture today. False sense of autonomy. Man, I'm my own man. Do what I want to do. Earthly pursuits over eternal ones. This is the spirit of Babylon right here. So in the Tower of Babel, that's what they were doing. They were, they were doing their own thing, our own way, make a name for ourselves. Babylon, you read about Babylon? It goes all the way from there, all the way to the book of Revelation talks about Babylon. Babylon is all, it's, it's more than a physical location. It's a spiritual mindset that's against everything that God stands for. That's the culture we live in, by the way. Here we go. We'll finally get to our text. We'll start preaching now. I am going to send an angel before you, is what he says. So here we go, Exodus chapter 23, verses 20 through 33. God's sending them out to go in to the promised land. They're on the mountain. They just received the, the Ten Commandments. We just spent 12 weeks going through the Ten Commandments. They've got the law. Now, God, listen, Sinai's another place, heaven and earth coming together, another throne. We'll see that in a few weeks also. Man, this is exciting stuff, by the way. Man, God knew what he's doing. He listened to Exodus here. I'm going to send an angel before you to protect you on the way and to bring you to the place. So if you've got God saying, I'm going to get you there, provide a way, then you've got nothing to worry about. Wait a second. I think in the New Testament, Jesus said, I am the way. Oh, listen, y'all already preaching this morning. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me, through me. You can't get there without Jesus. So right now, you've already got a way, a way. Listen, you don't earn your way. You don't work to get that way. Jesus did that for you. He is the way. He is your provision. So the Hebrew word, what that angel, what does angel mean? Malak is the word right there. So an angel may, may refer to a heavenly being, a messenger from God. It means it, it, sometimes there's messengers coming, and then there's representatives or emissaries that also so angel is used in all different kinds of way in the Bible. And it says right there that an angel is going to send an angel. It's going to guide you. It's going to protect you. Okay. 
Look what Jude chapter 5 says. New Testament, by the way. There's no verses in Jude, if you're wondering why they're written a verse there. Only, I mean, no chapters, only verses. Now I want to remind you. I always like when the Bible reminds me. Although you came to know these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. <laughs> you know what that's saying? That's saying that whenever they're going through the excess, that Jesus is right there with them. Do I remember when, when, when we went with them through the Red Sea? We saw Jesus there. Do you remember that when we saw the manna, we saw Jesus in the manna? That, that we've seen Jesus over and over again through this whole story of Exodus. And right here, God's saying that, that whenever they brought through, when they, got, when they came out, that Jesus was the one that was leading them, destroying them, saving them, destroying their enemies. So let's look at this. How do we know today when you're outlined? How do I follow God's leading in my life? The first three, I'm going to go through pretty quickly because we do this every week. For those of you that come every week, you're like, man, David, you cover this every single week. Good. I need to be reminded, Okay. So I'm going to seek God in prayer. Man, that's the first one on the list. I know it's shocking to you that I say about anything good about prayer because I love prayer. I think that, you know, most important thing is praying. Pray, you can't pray too much. Prayer is essential. So I'm going to know God's leading my life. So if you want God to lead you, you've got to be praying. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with things even present your requests to God. And the peace of God, well, I like that peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Man, that's good stuff. Yeah. Number two, immerse yourself in God's word. What you try and do right now. God's word is a lamp for my feet, and it's a light to my path. It's a truth. It's the thing that's going to help me understand truth. It's living in a world filled with lies. The truth is going to help me with that. So right now, listen, if you got some confusion in your life, something right now, you're like, man, I don't know how this is going to work out. Then here's my question for you. How much time are you spending reading the Bible? David, man, that, the answers are not in the Bible. Oh, they're all there. But let me tell you something. If you're not praying you won't be getting it. If you go and you say, God, as I read your word today, be revealing to me your truth. I want to dig in, speak to my heart. And you start reading your Bible, that attitude, it doesn't matter what you're reading or where you're reading, that Holy Spirit's going to filter that into what you need to hear. Supernatural. The word of God is living, powerful, sharp and a two-edged sword. It's the only book you'll ever read that's alive. Number three, listen for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Now, let me tell you something. If that makes you mad at me, then I agree with you. I'm mad at me over that too. I don't like that. I mean, like if I'm sitting in your place right now and the preacher out there and said, listen to the Holy, that's easier said than done. I mean, man, that is hard right there. I mean, like, listen to the Holy Spirit's got me because sometimes I think the Holy Spirit's leading me to do something. I do it. And when I got in the middle of it, I'm like, Holy Spirit didn't lead me into this. I misunderstood. So learning to, to follow and listen and hear the Holy Spirit's like learning a new language. It takes time. You got to be willing to mess up. You, you got to be willing to make mistakes. And you got to be willing to pray and dig and dig and not give up. It's not easy to do. Amen. So, I mean, I want to get through this morning and just throw these out here in like a Sunday school platitude and say, go do these and everything will be great. No. And you can do all these and do them right and everything is still not going to be all great. You're still going to have trouble in this life. You're still going to run into Canaanites. You're still going to run into tough spots. But. If you do these things and you seek the kingdom of God first above all else, you will not be destroyed. You will not be discouraged. You will not be run down. That's the promise in the word of God. Not that it's going to be easy, but you're going to have a whole different perspective when you're going through it. 
Here we go, seek godly counsel. Man, this is why you go to church, by the way. This is why you're sitting around other people. You should be knowing the people around you. You should be able to look around this room and say, These, there's a godly person, there's a godly person. Let me ask you something. Who has been the greatest godly influence in your life? Consider that for a moment. What person? You say, man, if you're sitting here right now and you're like, oh, I'm drawing a blank, man. Well, then probably you haven't been very, very interwoven into Christian fellowship, into church culture. This is one of the primary reasons why you got to get plugged in, why you go to community group, why you come to extracurricular activities in the church, because you need a time. When you're going to time, all of us get to a spot, be like, I need some godly counsel right now. I'm praying, reading my Bible, asking the Holy Spirit, but I need somebody else that I can talk to to pray with me and say, man, this is, you know, look at this, this is what the Bible says. It does have to be somebody that knows, because some of y'all, you know, nobody else around you knows as much Bible as you do. I realize that. So you don't have to find somebody that knows more Bible than you. You don't, to, you don't have to find somebody more spiritually mature than you. You just have to find somebody that will tell you the truth. That will love you enough to be like, hey, listen, you are going the wrong direction right now. You're not thinking right. I love you enough to tell you the truth. Oh, man. Observe providential circumstances. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe that God is sovereign? Do you believe that God's in control of everything? So if I believe that God's in control of everything, then i got to understand stuff. There's going, to be some, there's going to be some circumstances that God's going to be maneuvering in my life that's going to be leading. If I'm praying, God, I want to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. I want to live my kingdom purpose in my generation. Then God's going to be weaving together some circumstances to lead me in that direction. Providence. Have you So I know it's going to sound stupid, but I go ahead and tell you, the Holy Spirit, I mean, okay, so Friday, I was like in crunch. Friday, Saturday, man, it gets crunch time on the whole sermon prep. I mean, Friday, I was, I, I went and met somebody for lunch. I left out of the lunch appointment. I went to a Walmart to buy some fishing lures. <clears throat> and <laughs> as I was going to walk in there to Walmart, I was getting out of my truck, and I was like, man, I, I don't have enough time to go to my grandson's football game tonight. I'm just in too much of a crunch. Got stuff going on tomorrow night. And I'm just not going to go. So I walk in to Walmart. And I walk into the fishing aisle. And my son plays football at Grant Sling High School. And I look up there, and there's a man standing there in all Grant Sling regalia. And I walk by him. I said, oh, Grant Sling, huh? And he goes, yes, sir. And I started looking, and I was like, you one of the football coaches? And he goes, yes, sir. Matter of fact, I'm the head football coach. What a coincidence. That, what I would say, I went to the game, by the way. <laughs> that was a providential circumstance right there. Number six, evaluate your desires and motivation. Man, I really got to be, I got to be, listen, do I really take delight in the Lord? And if I take delight in the Lord and kingdom stuff, then it's going to change my desires and my motivations. I got to tell you something, guys. Listen, this is one of our biggest problems right here is that whenever we get tuned into Babylon, it's going to mislead my desires and my motivations. It's going to get me going the wrong direction. I'm going to be wanting the wrong stuff. See, some of you right now, I mean, you're saying, listen to me, David, man, that all sounds good in principle, but in practice, I can't do that. Well, I'm telling you, you got to get back towards Eden. All of this stuff I'm showing you right here, this will move you back towards Eden. And when you move back towards Eden, it will change your desires and your motivations. You'll be more motivated for the kingdom of God than for yourself. You won't be worried about making a great name for yourself. You'll be worried that Jesus' name is magnified to everything and everybody around you. And you won't care what people think about your name. Right. <sighs> Number seven, 
Good thing you're patient because it says wait patiently on the Lord. Is that hard to do right there? And listen, don't pray for God to teach you patience either. Because he teaches you patience through pain and suffering. So I, just, I would just say that we need to be sure that we're doing this on our own. See, what I mean by wait patiently on the Lord is this. Is that when I'm praying and I don't see the circumstances happening immediately, then i got to be patient. It's not, listen, it's not that God isn't hearing my prayers. God hears your prayers and God answers your prayers. He may not answer them the way you want him to. And he may not answer them in the timing that you want answered. He's not going to answer them according to the way that you want and according to your timetable. He's going to answer them according to his kingdom purpose for you, your life, and according to his kingdom timetable. So can you patiently wait? No, listen, I see parents all over the room. Have you ever got frustrated with your kids because they were impatient and they would not wait on you to do what you needed to do for them? Have you ever got to that point before? Same principle applies to you. I mean, your heavenly father's like, he's got good stuff lined up for you. Better stuff, better stuff than you even know of. So you just got to be patient. Wait. Let him do what, let him do the weaving and get it all in place for you at that right time, at the right place. He's got great surprises for you, by the way. Some of y'all jump ship too early before you get to the surprise, though. Because you want to go do your own thing, build your own Bible, go your own direction, do your own, make a name for yourself, and you move up and you get up, and God doesn't have enough time to do the weaving and get everything lined up to where you can experience kingdom, love, joy, and peace. Man, I'm glad I came to church this morning because I need to hear that. Number eight, confirm with peace in your heart. How many of y'all have ever waited on God, God delivered, and when you got, what, got the spot where God wanted you to be, your heart was filled with peace, right? There's a peace right there, man. Like, there's nothing, nothing in this world can put that peace in there, man. That's like, that's a work of the Holy Spirit, because I think the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace. Oh, yes, there it is, once again. Let the peace of Christ, and let the peace of Christ, man, will you let it, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts. Oh, man, and you will be thankful. You won't have any problem with that when you let that happen. Number nine. Last one. Be willing to obey God's direction. Because God, here's what I can promise you. If you do all these things, God is going to lead you in a direction you don't want to go. Count on that. Okay? Because some, some of y'all right now, you've got a direction you want to go, and God's going to try to lead you in another direction. It's going to be your decision. Whether he won't make you go that way. But if you'll be willing to do things you don't want to do, go places you don't want to go, when you know God's leading you, here's what I can promise you, then you'll see him do some great things in your life. But if you always go your direction and do what you want, then here's what I can tell you also, you're going to go with the back of the struggle bus and you're going to get your brains beat out back there out of love. Be attentive to him. We're talking about the angel now leading. And listen to him. Do not defy him because he will not forgive your acts of rebellion for my name is in him. So, once, okay, so here's what I got to understand this morning. Can we do a little bit of uh, teaching this morning right now and stop, pull out from the preaching for a moment? Y'all okay with that? Here we go. So this right here, when you look at this, if we say this angel is Jesus and now he will not forgive your acts of rebellion, you might trip and stumble all over that theologically because we know that Jesus is a God of mercy, a God of grace, and a God of forgiveness. He's all about forgiveness. So if you're going to say that Jesus was leading them, but now this isn't gonna, they're not going to be forgiven for their acts of rebellion, so here's what you have to understand. Two different kinds of theology. We always talk about systematic theology in here. 
That's a system of theology that goes from Genesis to Revelation. When you study a biblical narrative and you try to force systematic theology into that, you're going to trip over some stuff. There's a different discipline of theology. It's called biblical theology. Go look this up. In biblical theology, what you do is you study the book and the time period and their understanding of the revelation of salvation and God, and then you get a clearer understanding of how they understood this. So to say that it will not forgive your acts of rebellion, it's not talking about acts of... It's not talking about forgiving them of their sins. It's already been established. God's already said, you make the altar, do the sacrifice, I'll forgive you of your sins. What this is saying right here is that if you choose to go your own way, God's leading you in, destroy the people, you decide you got a better way, you will suffer the, the, the repercussions for that immediately Amen. and long term. See, I mean, right now, some of you, you can, you can do some rebellion right now, and it's all good for a little while. But, but here, hey, here's what I'm going to argue. I'm going to argue that you're not all good emotionally. Anytime you go into sin, you're not all good emotionally. You're, some of y'all right now, you're like, man, I just have not been feeling good mentally, emotionally here lately. It might just be because you in sin, you're not confessing and repenting the sin. And so there's going to be long-term consequences for that too, but you don't have short-term, you're just not mentally, emotionally going to be feeling good. Right here, he's telling them, you go your own way, you will immediately. And you know why? Because when they go take the land, they're going to go, there's going to be bigger, stronger, more powerful enemies in the land. No way they can take this land without God doing something. But if, there it is. That's the key right there. It's if. 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 You will carefully obey him and do everything that I say, everything I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and a foe to your foes. Let that sink in for a moment. So you've got a choice whether or not to obey today. They had a choice also. So if you make this choice, here's what I can tell you. Every enemy that's going to come against you, it's going to be my enemies, what God's telling them. Everybody's going to be on your side is going to be on my side. Now, hang on a second. This is, this is the beginning of the nation of Israel going in the promised land. Is there anything going over there in Israel right now? Anything happening right now? And on your news right now? Well, there's been a lot. I mean, like there's a, all the Bible prophecy preachers are just digging in right now. Now, let me tell you something. It's been going on for 3,000 years. And, and you know why it's been going on? We're about to see right here why it's been happening for 3,000 years, because they didn't obey. He said, if, then, look at this. This is, this is the Abrahamic covenant. And I will bless those, speaking of Abraham, the father of the whole Israel nation, I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse, and all families of the earth will be blessed. So here's one. So, you know, as far as politics are concerned, Whenever, the, the, whenever our nation and our political leaders align with Israel, good things are going to happen for us as a, as a nation of people. It's just that simple. We turn against Israel, then if you ever see that happen, you better buckle down. Things about to, get, things about to unravel here for us in this country. You can't disconnect the two. And then we're all blessed. All the families of the earth will be blessed by him because the line of Jesus came through Abraham. So we've all been blessed through Jesus. For my angel will go before you. So I'm going to tell you this. I'm believing the angel is Jesus, okay, from what I see in Jude. My angel will go before you and will bring you to the land of the Amorites. 
the Hittites. The Amorites are bigger and stronger. These are military, these are military people right here. They've been hundreds of years, they've been building strong, powerful armies, and you got a bunch of ex-slaves coming out of Egyptian bondage that never did any battle. Don't have as many people as they've got. And God's saying, you go in there and you go take that land from them. So your enemy today is bigger and stronger and more powerful than you are in the spiritual realm, apart from Jesus. But when you come under the authority rule of Jesus, and guess what? They're weaker, feeble, and they're afraid of you. The Canaanites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And look at this, who's going to wipe them out? God's saying, I'm going to, what you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. Are you letting God fight your battles for you? Look at this. So Numbers chapter 13, verse 32 through 33 says, so they gave a negative report. So the Israelites get up to the promised land, and they, they send the spies in. The spies came back with a negative report to the Israelites up and, and the land. All they had scouted, the land that we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim. What is that? What is the Nephilim? I mean, for us today, we look at that, I don't know what a Nephilim is. I've never seen a Nephilim. The descendants of Anak, who's that? Okay, so here's what you understand. So in biblical scholarship today, what they've done is they went back and they've studied all the Apocrypha from this time, all the extra biblical books. They're not the Bible, but when they studied the, the, these other extra biblical books that were happening at this time right here, they all understood what the Nephilim was, and they understood who came the descendants of Anak. That's all in their literature. So like when, a first, when they first read this, no one did like you and I and go, what's a Nephilim? Who's Anak? They knew who all these people, what these beings were, what these things were, okay? So we don't today. It's kind of disconnected from us, but they understood it there. Look at this. We'll just leave it at this. I don't have enough time to dig in. The descendants of Anak came from the Nephilim. This is a supernatural kind of weird thing right here, okay, is all I can tell you. To ourselves, we seem like grasshoppers, and we must have seemed the same way to them. So these were the giants that it spoke about when they went over and they saw, they scouted out the promised land, and they said, there's giants over there. So these were some kind of weird, huge, hybrid kind of things according to what they understood them to be. You look at that and you say, man, that's weird. Don't know if I can handle that. I'm with you on that. So I wasn't there. I didn't go scout the land. I didn't see them for myself. I'm just saying this, there's something bigger and more powerful than them. That's what came back and they said, we can't beat them. Yes, you can't beat them, but guess who can? So I struggle today, it's not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against there's other powers involved in this, the cosmic powers of darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So right now, that's what it says. This is to the church of Ephesus right here, New Testament. This goes to you and I today, that you and I are dealing with some spiritual forces. We can't see them. Man, sometimes we feel them. Sometimes we see the result of them, but they're big and they're more powerful. And so I've got to put on the full armor of God every single day of my life. So do not bow down and worship their Elohims. Doesn't say idols, by the way. And do not serve them. Do not imitate their practices. Instead, demolish them and smash their sacred pillars to pieces. Oh man, that just sounds so violent and so mean. 
Why would God do that? Okay, so let me tell you something. Okay, so I want you to consider something this morning. I'm just going to be reasonable with you for a moment, okay? When Hamas attacked the Israelites, was that inhumane? Was that violent? That's been going on for 3,000 years. So here's my point. I'm just being reasonable with you right now. I'm just saying, if they would have went in and did what God told them to do, they wouldn't have had 3,000 years of being attacked by all of these people that they did not wipe out, still being attacked today. And it's going to go on all the way until Jesus returns again. So he says, serve Yahweh your Elohim. How many times have we, we, we've been studying about this right here? Man, there's this personal name, Yahweh your Elohim, the one God. And he will bless your bread. And your, you want your bread and your water blessed? I'll, you want the illness? Look at that. Oh, man, prosperity preachers love this. I will remove the illnesses from you. So before we jump off into any of that, let's continue. No women will miscarry or be childless in your land, and I will give you the full numbers of your days. That sounds like Eden. Do you see what God was doing? The kingdom rule of Eden been messed up by sin. He comes back, gives them a law, takes them to the land, said you drive out all these evil people that are worshiping all these evil Elohims, smash all their stuff, and you go back in. If you do exactly what I'm telling you to do, that's going to become more like Eden. I will cause the people ahead of you to feel terror and will throw them into confusion. All the nations you come to, I will make all your enemies turn their backs and retreat. So like, he's saying, I'm gonna do psychological warfare to them. You're just gonna roll up there, man. They're gonna see you coming, they're gonna run the other way. You, I mean, I will fight your battles for you. Listen, it's still doing it today, by the way. Jesus has already defeated the devil. All of them are all beaten, whipped, they are done. I mean, like, it's game over. I mean, like when we live, the kingdom living under the kingdom authority rule of Jesus, then listen, it's a whole different life. We are too bogged down in Babylon is what our problem is. Man, we got so much in the church, we are getting the, the, the living daylights beat out of us because we have bought into this whole Babylonian thing in our church, married it in with American Christianity. And God's calling us back to Eden, back to the kingdom. The kingdom, and we'll get to that. Man, I'm running out of time. Sorry about that. Here we go. Look at this. You ever had a hornet get you before? <laughs> a hornet's a whole different, I mean, that's a whole different bee right there, isn't it? I mean, like, you get stung by a bee, you get stung by a hornet. I mean, somebody comes in, man, I got attacked by hornets. That's a whole different thing right there. I will send, the, and back in their time, these foot warriors, I mean, hornets go, that's bad, man. I mean, if it's literal, figurative, doesn't really matter. I will send hornets in front of you. And they will drive the Hivites, because the Hivites, Canaanites, and the Hithites, they can't handle hornets. God's saying, they can't handle me. You don't have to do anything. Just obey me, and when you obey me, then look at what I'm going to do. Oh, okay. Mm. My expectation gap just gets crushed on this one. Because I want God to just go in there and just wipe them all out today. Oh, hang on now. Don't tell me you don't feel that way too. I want God to take care of all my, I want God, I don't want God to do it. 
I want God to do a removing job, and he's trying to do an improving job. I want God to remove all this stuff, all these pains, all these struggles, all this stuff I'm going through right now. God, won't you just won't you take care of this today? Let me ask you something. Hang on a second. Hang on. I ask you a serious question. Did God need those people to drive them out, his Israelites, to drive out the enemies? Couldn't he have driven them out? Couldn't he have brought Pharaoh to an end? Why does he allow this stuff to go on and then he asks us to go in and do the warfare? Why does he want us to join him in what he's doing? What could it be so we'll trust him? So we'll build our faith? So maybe you're going through some stuff today. It might be that God's trying to build your faith and you're trusting him and show you what he can do in your life. I want to drive them out ahead of you in a single year. Otherwise, the land will become desolate and the wild animals will multiply against you. I will drive them out little by little. Oh my goodness. You mean just a little bit at a time, God? That's it. You just know, I'm faithful today? Yes. A lot for my path and for my lamp, for my feet right there where I can just see right in for the next step? You mean I can't see the whole thing? You mean, God, you won't show me the end of the trail? No. Right here, right now. That's why it's called take a step of faith, walking by faith. Because you don't know where it's all going to end up. you got to trust him. It's like the guy who, who went into the Amazon forest. He, he hired a guide to get him from point A to point B. The guy got out there with a machete. He started going through there and just chopping out all the stuff. And, man, the, the dude's back there watching. And in front of him, all he sees is just vines and little trees and all kinds of stuff. And he says, hey, hey, hey. He says, I ask you a question. The guy turns around, looks at him. He says, where's the path? And the guide says, I'm the path. He makes the path. You see, we all want to see the path, and Jesus is saying, I am the path. I am the way. Can you just trust me right here, right now? Just let me do some clearing for you right now. Can you be patient? Can you wait? And you'll see where I'll get you if you'll do that. Don't veer off in your own direction because you're going to get lost out there. Oh, my goodness. Mm. Drive them out little by little ahead of you. Until you have become numerous, you got to grow. You've got to be sanctification. Numerous and take possession of your kingdom purpose in your generation. I'm sorry, guys. We're running out of time. You can email me and I'll give you all that. I will set your borders. Look at that. It's so important right here, guys. I'll set your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea. From the wilderness to the Euphrates River, for I will place the inhabitants of the land under your control, your authority rule, and you will drive them out ahead of you. You're going to be joining God in what He's doing there. You must not make a covenant with them. So, like, if you go back and you look, look at their gods, their, their idols. You usually notice something. They all have these big open mouths. You ever seen that before? You ever noticed that? Do you know why they have big open mouths? Because when they would, they would take it for their little Elohims that they're going to worship and then make out their, they take a stone, their, their wood, and they would form them, they'd always form these big open mouths. Because when they did their initial ceremonies, they believed that their Elohim would come in and possess that piece of wood or that stone. Is that weird? <laughs> that is weird, isn't it? And so right here he's saying, you don't make a covenant with them or with their Elohims. Because you can't go get along, because anytime you want to make a treaty with them, guess what they're going to do? They're going to try to get you to make a covenant with them and their Elohims. They must not remain in your land. 
or else they will make you sin against me. No, I won't. I'm going to hang out with those people. I'll be a better influence on them than they'll be on me. Oh, you better watch it because you might be more like Play-Doh than you are salt and light. If you serve their gods, it will be a snare for you. Okay. Let's end with this right here this morning. You got this on your outline. You see your outline right there? I want you to take this home with you. Think about this. Pray about this. Consider this this morning as we wrap this up this morning. Signs you're being conformed. Signs that I'm being more like Babylon. Signs that I'm being more like Plato right here if I'm pursuing wealth over godliness. Self-centeredness is all ro rolling through my life. If I ignore God's word, loving the world. Let me ask you something this morning. Look at number five. You see number five on the outline there? That's a big one. That's one you can tell. That's a telltale sign right here and right now today. I mean, if you're sitting here right now and you're like, oh, man, I'm glad I'm skipping those verses. I'm ready to get out of here. I got things to do, people to see. This whole doing devotionals and reading the Bible and stuff like that, that's not for me. That's for those super, super spiritual people. I'm just trying to get to heaven, man. Just trying to have a better life right here and right now. Then here's what I'll tell you, nice as I possibly can, then you're in spiritual stagnation, my friend. And when you get to that point right there, then here's what I can tell you, is that your life is becoming more like Play-Doh and you're Babylon is just, you're a molding right to the world that you are living in. That's a huge one right there. And then if you like make excuses, man, if you indulge in sinful natures and you justify that, if, you're, if you love, here's what I can tell you. How do you know if you love Jesus more than you love yourself? Then when you love Jesus more than you love yourself, then your sins will become utterly sinful in your sight. You'll despise them. But when you love them and you justify them and you coddle them, you little fluffies right there, and you say, oh, yeah, it's not going to get me. And Fluffy will grow up into a man-eating lion and kill you is what he will do. Forsaken, maybe you get to where you don't want to hang out with other Christians because you feel conviction or whatever it may be, and you just can't. That's not the Holy Spirit leading you there. Living in fear and not faith is our last one this morning. So this morning, i got to ask you this question. Think about this. Consider this. Right now, are you living in fear? Is there fear in your heart? Have you got a bad report? Have you got bad news here recently? Is things in your life coming unraveled? I mean, as you look at your hope meter, is it kind of dropping down and your fear meter going up? Then... That's a sign you're being conformed to Babylon. Babylon controls you with fear. This world system controls people with fear. Don't believe me? Go home and watch the news today. See if there's not a whole bunch of fear coming through the whole news stuff. Do your kids come home from school with fearful stories that they've heard at school, sporting events? Do your kids come back to you from anything filled with fearful stories that the world has told them? Go ahead and stand up. Let's talk about some things you're standing up before we do communion. I got one whole minute left. I'm going to take advantage of it. So my family and I, we went this past week to go see the Phil Robertson movie, The Blind, Duck Commander, Christian, Christian movie. So when we got to the theater, they're advertising all the other movies outside. So we're coming up on All Hallows' Eve, also known as Halloween. Now, you do know that Babylon hijacked this from us, right? 
Do you know what November the 1st is? All Saints Day. It's a day whenever Martin Luther nailed the 99 Thesis on the church door, the beginning of the Reformation. So it was a Christian holiday originally called All Saints Day. Turned into All Hallows Eve. So you can go read about it and all the, the way that it turned that way. Babylon got a hold of it. And now it's turned into a night of uh, make-believe witches and goblins and ghosts and all that kind of fun stuff like that. And it's totally moved away to where most people in our culture don't even know anything about All Saints Day in our Christian culture that we live in today. So, what is Halloween all about? Those movies we were walking into, we were looking at the, I didn't even look at the posters. I saw what they were, I didn't even look. Because they're filled with fear and evil. And, you know, we, our culture will pay money to have somebody scare the heavens out of them. You know? Go sit there and watch hell being unleashed on the screen in front of us. So I know, you know, you're saying, oh, yeah, here we go. Preacher's going to start talking about how bad the culture is we live in, whatever. And I enjoy those movies, man. They're kind of fun and all that. Well, oh, man. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We're about to get to that, okay? <laughs> so I want to ask you this question this morning. Between Eden and Babylon, which one are you closer to? Only you can answer that, and some of you, you don't really know. If I ask a question, you're like, I'm not really quite sure about that. So have you got the Holy Spirit inside of you? So then you can pray, and the Holy Spirit will lead you to help you understand, give you insight, discernment over which one you're closer to. Are you more like salt and light, or are you more like Play-Doh? So we're about to have communion. And I am so thankful, by the way, we can have communion. Then after communion, we're going to have a baptism. Then after that, we're going to have some prayer. Then after that, we're going to have community groups. And, man, this is just a wonderful day to celebrate. Yes. You know? And, like, so what we're celebrating here this morning is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're celebrating. I mean, right now, as we get ready to take communion, we are celebrating the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Celebrating living under his kingdom authority rule. Man, this is, this is wonderful. This is wonderful opportunity we have to come together as God's people and worship. So this morning, consider that as you take the elements. As you come, they're at the front. You can go ahead and make your way to the front and then at the back. And once you get them, have a seat, and we'll talk about communion a little bit more as we get ready to do this together. Thank you. So as you have your seat there, let's look at this. And I got one more fill-in on the outline there for you this morning. Get ready to take communion. Something really good here. John chapter 1. So we read, we read 
Genesis chapter 1. Now we're going to look at John chapter 1. Look at what's in this. This is so, so, so good. But to all who did receive him. So have you received Jesus? He gave them the rights to be children of God. To those who believe in his name. So in that story we were reading in Exodus, it said, talked about the angel and it talks also about the burning bush and about God said, I put my name in them. I put my name in them. So right here he says, all those who believe, so there's power in his name. Who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. The Logos, the Word, capitalized, Jesus. He became flesh, and he dwelt among us. And we observed his glory. So heaven and earth came together. We observed his glory. We're going to talk about the glory in the tabernacle or in the weeks to come. But we we, we observed Jesus' glory. The glory as of the one and only Son of the Father. There it is. One and only. He's full of grace and truth. I mean, you think about, I think about, you know, it talking about those, those evil people that were worshiping those, their, their, their Elohims. And here's what they were doing. They were sacrificing their children to their Elohims. I mean, they were doing all kinds of wicked, perverse stuff, all kinds of blood sacrifices and deviant behavior. I mean, because their Elohims were leading them into doing this. And Yahweh says, go in, wipe them all out. Smash, smash that stuff right there. Smash all of their wood and their rocks and their, their tabernacles and their stuff. Smash it, because there's only one God. And right here, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed His glory, the glory of the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The one and only Son who is himself God and is at the Father's side, he has revealed him. Now we've seen God is what John's saying. When we saw Jesus, we saw God. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious. Look at that. So right now, in Christ Jesus, you are being changed into the image of God. Back to Eden. So there's our last fill-in this morning. So as kingdom image bearers in Christ, we're active agents, commissioned to bring God's rule to earth, participating in his kingdom mission. So this morning, as we take communion, I want you to understand this. You being in the image of God isn't about something you do. Okay? It's about you being an agent 
of the kingdom, participating in what God is doing. So think about this. God is expecting us to go out to make more image bearers. Does that sound like evangelism? Discipleship? I went over a few minutes. I got one more thing I got to show y'all. I got time for one more. You ever heard that verse before? A few times? Christian Standard Bible. So I've been asked that somebody said they want some more East Texas, New East Texas version, so I got one for you. You ready? Before we take communion, this is, this is it. Here's a New East Texas version. New, New East Texas translation version. <laughs> Pursue kingdom living as your top priority in life. It's a loose paraphrase. View all of life through the lens of your position and identity in Christ's righteousness and all your needs be taken care of. Pursue kingdom living as your top priority in life. Let's go ahead and open up, take out the way for this morning. You know, there's just so much in this. And so this morning, as we're leaving, getting ready to leave Sinai and head into the promised land, the building of the tabernacle, I mean, like, we just barely scratched the surface this morning of what we're about to dig into in these next weeks and months. And it's exciting. It's going to be life-changing for me. Maybe not you, but for me. And as I was looking at this morning where we're at and where we're going, and I was like, this is going to change my life. And I think about the book of Acts when we went through it. It changed my life. It changed my life so much to the point where now we do this almost every Sunday. Because in Acts, we, you know, I saw something, and I think we saw something, some of us did, that like every Sunday when they, the new church came together, they had communion. And so now, here we are, every Sunday, the best of our ability, having communion, and we come together to fellowship. We're about to have baptism too. We talk about the beauty and the mystery in both of these. So right now, I mean, like, what we're doing is we're remembering the death of Jesus. What I received from the Lord, I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you want to pray with me, just pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your body. Thank you for your death. I remember. You're my Lord, you're my God, and you're my Savior. 
Let's eat and fade. In the same way, he also took cup after supper and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and open up the juice. So don't you think about something. Let's think about this morning as we get ready to head out here about our lives heading back to Eden. Going back in that direction. God's a kingdom authority rule. Shalom, peace. The only way we can have that is the forgiveness of our sins. Demonstrating what we're doing right now that's what we're remembering. My sins are forgiven. I'm under the new covenant. I'm under the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Scott, let's pray. God, we thank you for the new covenant, for your blood, Jesus. Thank you for forgiving me for all my sins and cleansing me from all my unrighteousness. You're my Lord, you're my God, you're my King, and you're my Savior. Let's eat in faith, drink in faith. Good morning. Those of you who may not know me, I'm Chuck, I'm part of the leadership team here at Bridge. And what an exciting day to be at Bridge Fellowship. Not only have communion, we've got a baptism this morning. So glad you're here. Uh, for those of you who may not know uh, the woman standing next to me, this is Brittany Falker, and her husband Chris is up here with us today too. So uh, Brittany has presented herself as being interested in getting uh, baptized and we've talked about that and she's going to share with you in just a moment but um, just by way of reminder what we're what she's doing uh, today is an act of obedience that is in getting baptized so reminder the these waters don't save anybody that's already been taken care of in Brittany's case but it's an act of obedience and um, among other things it is symbolic of the birth the death the death the resurrection of our of our lord and savior so i encourage for those of you who are who are in christ this is an opportunity today to remember your your baptism and uh your standing and your position in christ uh, just as Brittany uh, does today so i'm going to let her share with you just a little bit about her testimony i wrote a little something um today as i'm immersed in the water it's taken many years to get here 
from peer pressure as a young teen to not understanding what it meant in my late 20s. Now I truly get it. It's not behavior modification like I thought it was, but my place in his kingdom that determines I should be here right now. The Lord has touched my life and changed my life from the timid and scared woman that I used to be to talking about Jesus and serving within the church. Jesus has turned my life around and changed me into something beautiful. Before this year, I was drowning in my sin, but Jesus held out his hands and pulled me right back up. Fear, shame, guilt, all of those things and more, especially my struggle with unforgiveness, were poisoning me, and I needed to give them back to Jesus. He took those things to the cross and died with them. I had to quit picking them back up out of that grave. I needed to give him back his stuff. Today, I came out of that grave made new by Jesus' blood, hands full of only his promises, and my whole body filled with his love. My, my old self lies in that grave not to be resurrected. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am free, truly, truly free. And who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Amen, amen. That's good stuff right there. Let's all stand up this morning. Scott, we thank you today. We thank you for Brittany, God. We pray that you would just fill her with your kingdom authority, rule, and reign, God, that you would just guide her into her kingdom purpose and her generation as she's made this proclamation of faith, God, that this will be a day and a marker that she'll remember not only for the rest of her life here, but throughout all eternity, God, this will be a special moment in her life. And God, we thank you for resurrection. We thank you for new life. We thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. God, we thank you that you have given us the blessing of communion, the blessing of baptism, that we get to participate in these things today, oh God. So God, today, we rejoice for those of us who have been immersed in the waters. We think back and we remember that special moment in our lives, in our faith. 
And God, today, as we get ready to leave out of here, we pray that you would just guide our hearts, direct our, our, our lives. God, we just pray with all these things we just talked about this morning. Help us to be in tune with your, your, your circumstantial leadership in our lives, the, the events happening around us. And God, just help us today as we leave out of here to be focused in on your kingdom. Help us understand and see the distractions and move us towards Bab away from Babylon towards Eden this morning, oh God. As we leave out of here, that we live under your kingdom authority rule each and every day. So God, we thank you. So I pray this blessing over you this morning before you head out. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace as you go in Jesus' name.